Welcome to Max and Murphy. This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. I will be joined by Manhattan Borough President Gail Brewer. She'll be returning to the show. It's been a while since we spoke to her here on Max and Murphy. Uh, Borough President Brewer. Well, there's a lot to talk about with her as well, of course, but especially sort of what's happening in the borough of Manhattan right now and what is the future of the borough as we continue to wrestle with this pandemic. Everything from the crises of small businesses that she's been focused on uh, over the years. And then we also have to, of course, worry right now about the larger businesses and all their office space and whether workers are returning to the offices and what that does about the economy in the city where you have so many small businesses that rely on all that traffic coming into Manhattan, workers going to their offices, going to their their places of work, uh, even if it's arts and cultural institutions, for example, uh, that are opening back up in limited capacity, and what all that means uh, for a lot of the life of the city in the borough of Manhattan and the borough's future. So Borough President Gail Brewer coming up in a few minutes to talk, among other things, small businesses. There's been a lot of controversy around housing, individuals experiencing homelessness. We will get her to discuss a little bit of that. And then, of course, the future of housing in the borough of Manhattan. What should happen in terms of housing development calls for more affordable housing to be built in certain neighborhoods? Get her take on that. It's important to note, of course, that Borough President Brewer is among this enormous class of city elected officials nearing the end of their term at the end of next year. Borough President Brewer is among the majority of those folks who are term limited out of their current offices. That includes the mayor, the city controller, most of the borough presidents and a majority of city council members, the city election cycle coming up next year will be immensely important, very busy. We'll talk to Borough President Brewer about what she wants to get done while she's still borough president and what she plans on doing next. So that's coming up. Very happy to be joined now by Manhattan Borough President Gail Brewer. Borough President Brewer, this is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. Thanks so much for uh, taking the time with us here today. Thank you very much, Ben Max. It's always good to talk to you, and I love watching you on TV, too. <laughs> ah, thank you. Appreciate that. Um, so uh, we have so much to talk to you about, about what's going on in Manhattan. Uh, it's, it's, it's almost, we, we, we maybe would need an hour or so to do it. But um, I want to hit some of the things that I think are most important. But as we talk here today, you know, what's, what's top of mind for you? I mean, what it, what's keeping you up at night in terms of what's going on in your borough and the most pressing issues as we, you know, we see some recovery bounce back, some reopening, but lots of concerns, obviously, and issues. What's top of mind for you right now? Well, there's always a little bit of good news. We went to the opening of the Guggenheim Museum today, and I must admit, ah. I have to, been there, seeing the art, which ironically was there in February and was, you know, supposed to close, but now is going to stay open until next September, the particular shows. They were phenomenal shows. And it, it did give you an inspirational moment wandering around the museum because I had forgotten how much something beautiful, interesting, inspirational would mean, you know, because normally you go to a museum, you always enjoy it, but you don't have that jolt. Um, so anyway, that, that was inspirational today. Great In news, yeah. Of, it was. It was great news. Keeping awake, I mean, something uh, maybe not top of your list, but the census in Manhattan is a big challenge because mm. so many people left. In the past, the east side, 
financial district, Tribeca, they would drive the percentage of self-reporting way up. Um, and because those folks are not here, the percentage of self-reporting in those areas is very low. And of course, this is a 10-year span. So what we did was we did go to the Board of Elections and we got the June primary, those that requested an absentee ballot. And we sent them all a letter, a nice little letter, postcard from the League of Women Voters. And we heard today from the League of Women Voters that it's having a big impact. They are hearing from people in Connecticut. They're hearing from people in the island, et cetera, upstate Catskills. We also took out ads on the island and in the Catskills saying, if you filled out the census in your temporary location, you must fill it out with your Manhattan address. So I'm just saying that does keep us up at night because it is making a huge difference mm, sure. on the self-reporting. Second issue that keeps us up at night is, of course, the, uh, you know, the issues of the economics and health and homelessness. They all go together. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I can, you, we could talk a lot more about the recovery and the challenges. I would say that um, it's a little frightening with the 3% because we were down much lower in terms of the percentage. It may not be a quote-unquote Manhattan issue, but people move around. Sure. So not gonna, nobody's going to stay in one location. And then the, the, you know, the issue of the homeless is complicated. We obviously need more supportive housing. But mm-hmm. in the interim, whether it's East Harlem, lower uh, Manhattan, uh, mid-Manhattan, or the Upper West Side, we're dealing with very major uh, homeless issues. So all of those keep me up, and I can right. go through more. The schools you just talked about, so you know more about that. Yeah. <laughs> so let's let's dig in on a couple of things you just said. Um, Manhattanites that have left the city, what's, what's going on there in terms of are you seeing um, a return? How do we get those folks to come back? You know, obviously you mentioned filling out the census is important. Wherever you're at right now, fill it out with your Manhattan address because that's – still where you reside um, unless you've, you know, totally uh, changed your residence. But census uh, aside, what's going on? You know, this has been a topic of conversation, especially by the governor, um, a little bit less so by the mayor. But what's going on with trying to tell people, okay, time to come back to the city. The city's reopening. Uh, You know, we need you here. uh, Time to come back. Well, we definitely do need them uh, to come back, and you do read in the papers. We don't have any statistics as to exactly how many left, exactly how many are coming back, how many vacancies. I have gotten calls from, you know, owners of property, residential rental, who have apartments and are trying to rent them. So I've never gotten that call before. So there is a how do we get people to come back? I think we have to work on some of these as you even though you and I know the subways are clean and safe, people are not sure that if you are living outside and you just read the newspapers, you don't feel that it's safe. So part of it is the subway. I don't think that there's an increase in crime as described in the papers, what people hear about that. And, of course, you have this, the quality of life. I will say that the outdoor restaurants have been a huge boon. They're so exciting. They're so We did a contest of what's the most beautiful outdoor design, and we had tons and tons of entries, and we picked some. So all of that is the restaurants, they're hurting, but their outdoor um, designs are fantastic and really enhance the street life. So I think we have to keep saying it's safe to come back, the subways are okay, there is not a crime wave in the way that you're describing, and, 
you know, um, mm. we hope that the school works out. But, you know, people are doing, you know, they're doing uh, virtual and the schools are virtual and the colleges are virtual. So it makes it hard right. to have um, the conversation that says must come back. Right. Indeed. Indeed. Um, so you mentioned a couple other things, though, that, you know, some of the sort of quality of life concerns, the, the things like, you know, the governor was focused on the trash pickup. Are you having conversations with the city or the state or the National Guard that the governor said he's offering around um, cleanliness in the city streets? I you mean, know, what, are, what are you hearing? There's this little silver lining, Ben, that is uh, if you're not as involved as I am, you may not know the trash. According to Catherine Garcia, before she left, she told me 65% cut to weekday service. And when before she left, it was 100% cut to the weekend litter basket. I think there's been, because it was so awful, I think there's been right. a bit of, of, of a restoration there. It's still bad. So guess what's happened? I have cleaned myself. I mean, I have picked up so many bottle caps, so many cigarette butts, etc. Because just like everybody else, Every weekend, I go out and clean from Washington Heights down to the Lower East Side. But so do people. There's a young man uh, who has actually a map of some of the neighborhoods, and he keeps a check when that block is clean. He's got people signing up like crazy online. And I can tell you in Harlem, there's like 10 places every Tuesday people clean. Same thing in Washington Heights. What I'm saying is it's a big challenge, you know, particularly where there is no bid business improvement district and where right. you don't have active citizens. So on one hand, I know New York cares is going to participate with the parks because with the parks, this, that's a big problem with the cut to the park staff. That means that after the weekend, people have been barbecuing, enjoying the parks is a big mess. I've seen it with my own eyes. So I, I think that we need park staff and we need sanitation in the interim. It's been a boon for volunteerism. So that's not good. That the right, that is a silver there, lining, right? But it is a silver lining. I've never seen so many people participate in these cleanups. And the sanitation gives us, you know, a broom and a fancier gloves. And out we right. go. Well, the mayor, you know, the mayor announced a, a, some restoration of some pickups uh, a litter, recently. A litter and, yeah, a litter you know, basket. I think there's questions around what else can be done. You know, the city obviously does still have a just under $90 billion annual budget. So it's not like, you know, it's not like uh, there's no money for services, but I think, um, you know, I, I don't know that we want a citizen army having to, you know, figure out street cleanliness and park no, cleanliness. I, I but. would say that one of the restorations should absolutely be park staff cleanup and sanitation, top of mm -hmm. mind, because what happens is you get rats. If you don't have this, you're going to get rats, and that's not good at all. So you mentioned uh, the, the issue of homelessness. There's obviously been so much uh, controversy around that with, with different use of hotels and whether the city was moving people and not moving people. Um, you mentioned uh, early on in your initial answer that, that concern and then also the need for more supportive housing. Are there any, I, you know, I don't, I don't think it makes sense for us to take a lot of time right now to go into all the nitty gritty details of the, of the moving from hotel to hotel or neighborhood, but right. what are, what are the big lessons? I mean, what, what are the, what are some of the big lessons that need to be learned here to avoid a repeat of what we've seen over the last couple of months? Well, I mean, I think that neighborhoods need to be uh, conversed with. There are places given the, slow down in the economy that are for sale and they could in fact house supportive housing. I mean, there are hotels that if there is an excellent nonprofit 
We obviously need probably some federal money. We don't even need to get into all the financing now. But the old single room occupancy that you and I grew up with, or I grew up with, mm-hmm. they all closed when, um, you know, the hotels could find market housing as a better alternative. So I do think that we have to be very strategic about some of this uh, supportive housing. We got to do it. I mean, uh, people complain in the neighborhood, but if I was to do it, I would put a SRO, last supportive housing, depending on the building, and I would have half of it be uh, low-wage workers, you know, the bus boys, the dishwashers, and homeless. You don't have one group that is dominant. But you, there's no plan. There's no strategy for this, to the best of my knowledge. The mayor has said he wants 90 transitional, right? That's what he's been talking about. 90 but shelters yeah, across the city. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't hear the same discussion about 90 supportive housing. Right. Well, there's a supportive housing plan. I'd have to check in on where it is in its progress, but it seems like the shelter plan has, you know, as you've said, totally sort of overshadowed that and and the the sort of immediate needs that lead to uh, uh, flare-ups because it seems like there's a a lack of broader planning uh, seem to dominate. Um, so, so, So you think more sort of combination SRO supportive housing needs to come online as quickly as possible and, and all over the, all over the borough and the city, you know, I mean, one of the, one of the questions here is obviously, you know, sort of neighborhood equity. Are there, are there lessons around that that we need to take away from this most recent um, issue? Yeah. I think the way you do it is the way I've done it for years because I've always been supportive and been successful as has the East side. If you do it with community planning and you do it with a really well-known, well-respected nonprofit and you don't put in too many people. And if I, if I may suggest, you know, many other people besides homeless who are low income need housing. That's what the old single room occupancies were. And they never had a problem. So that's what you need to do. But it, do, it never seems to work with, um, you know, any discussion. It does. I think mm-hmm. part of it is is how the transitional is funding, funded, and how it's much more complicated and more expensive to fund permanent supportive housing. But that's what we need. And what about beyond that, though? What about affordable housing and and more housing in the borough? Um, you know, very interesting discussion happening where uh, Comptroller Stringer, who's running for mayor, recently came out in support of upzoning. Soho and said, you know, part of his affordable housing plan that he's pushing as a mayoral candidate um, will be to to upzone wealthier communities. Where do you stand on that? I don't know if you've taken a, a, a clear stance on the idea of uh, the Soho NoHo uh, upzoning to to add more affordable housing and and just housing generally. Um, what what are your thoughts on that? Well, I know, you know, there has been, I initiated and co-chaired with Margaret Chin a whole discussion on this for uh, about a year and a half. So we actually have a mm-hmm. report. We have, uh, we had a facilitator that the city paid for and we had stakeholders. I mean, we, we had huge hearings and meetings, uh, many, many discussions about this topic. I think generally the problem is that nobody mm-hmm. would be opposed to, uh, especially me, uh, affordable housing in Soho, Upper West Side, East Side, any one of these neighborhoods. What happens is you end up, just because of how the city looks at Manhattan, you end up with a very tall building that only has 25%. It's 
called the MIH, as you know, inclusionary housing, mandatory inclusionary housing. It would be preferable if we could have more affordable in that building. Then you would, and then in Soho Noho, I would like to see artists. That is where the artists should be, and there should be available housing for them. So mm-hmm. we're talking about it, but what I'm trying to say is the process that exists now is very limited, doesn't include artist housing, and that's frustrating to me because I'd like even more. If you're going to build the building and you only have 25% and they're not artists, it's frustrating. But I am certainly very supportive of affordable housing in every neighborhood. It's just the more the better. And the way that the city says is go to the Bronx scale, you're going to get more for your dollar. In Manhattan, the land is too expensive, so let the private sector pay for it in terms of affordable housing. You know how that works. The private sector says, I can only do X. So it it sounds like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like, you know, you're sort of, again, trying to balance the idea of you don't want, um, you know, you don't want necessarily that much new housing with larger buildings, um, but you want to try to ensure more affordability in what's built. I, I guess I'm trying to, you know, especially in neighborhoods where the, you know, the costs are so high for, you know, for developers, you know, sort of how do you do that? I mean, you know, there's, so for example, there's a, there's a plan that perhaps you're familiar with by this, um, you know, this, this pro housing group open New York, and they want to see the Soho no rezoning, you know, for over 3000, I think new homes. Um, and as you said about, about 25% would be affordable. So is, is that the type of plan that you can get behind where there's a lot more new housing built um, at, with the MIH program? I think it would be nice. If, we'll have to see if there's more federal dollars available in the near future because then we could do some Section 8 and do something that has more affordability in the building. That's what I'm looking for. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm certainly supportive of affordable housing in neighborhoods. I've been doing that my entire life. It's just mm-hmm. I want more of it. And how do we do that in a neighborhood? And we do need, there's no question, we need some federal subsidy. Um, uh-huh. And also, you know, HPD is not willing to help us in Manhattan along those lines with a little bit that they have. They want to go to the other boroughs. And that's also right. HPD wants to basically just maximize what the market will will help provide by, you know, by insisting on the you know, the MIH is now baked in as part of it and and they don't want to use their subsidy dollars to add to that, right? Right, correct. And that Uh is frustrating for those of us in Manhattan who would like to have deeper affordability, more affordability. And we end Uh up with whatever the market will allow as opposed to more. That is frustrating for me. Uh, Okay. Unfortunately, just have a few more minutes, but I just want to touch on a couple more things with you. The, this court ruling about the downtown uh, jail plan that could throw the whole jail plan in the four boroughs and the closing of Rikers into question. um, What do you think should happen next there? I mean, what's, what's, do you want to, you know, it seems like the city will appeal, but what's your vision for how that moves forward? Well, that was, I was uh, not, I was surprised about the ruling. So we had been, uh, you know, we had a hearing, went through the ULERP. Um, and just to be honest, we are continuing to have discussions with the city and the stakeholders. We obviously cannot, under the court ruling, put a shovel in the ground, but we can have ongoing uh, discussions. I don't know, Ben, honestly, where this is going to lead. The Chinatown community, as you know, was very opposed. You know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that it, there's a lot of politics going on as to who's running for office in that community, who's supportive, who's not. 
Um, and of course, you know, you can't do uh, one borough and not the other because then what would happen to the individuals for one borough and not the other? Um, the size of the building is a concern. Um, you know, I support it because I want Rikers to close. I've always said that. Right. You know, maybe there's some, I don't know that you could get the population down even more. It's been going up slightly, as you know, at Rikers. So, right. say, for instance, you could get the population down. I'm making up, you know, 3,000, even less. Then you could do a smaller-sized building. The height of the building is what disturbs people. And, of course, construction is a challenge. The construction, yeah. Uh-huh. You have a very fragile uh, Chinatown. You obviously had horrible anti-Asian, thanks to the guy in the White House, you know, in terms of the virus before we even experienced it. And you had 9-11 hasn't been a recovery. Um, everything in Chinatown that could possibly happen to the businesses has happened on a negative. And now you don't have tourists. I have, I mean, I was in one store the other day that sells, you know, sort of touristy items. She made $3 the day before. Oof. So, you know, this is rough. Yeah. So you can, yeah. so I'm, that's, you know, it's a different time uh, post-COVID or in the middle of COVID, I guess, right. in terms of Chinatown. So I think the issue is we're going to keep talking to the stakeholders, and I, we'll see what happens with the with the courts. So in our last couple of minutes here, I, you know, I mentioned uh, City Controller Scott Stringer, Upper West Sider, uh, well, previously, uh, who we've known for a long time. He's officially declared his mayoral run. Do you think you'll support him for mayor? I, I have no idea. I, you know, I often just, I'm not a good endorser. So we'll see what happens. You're not a good endorser, meaning the people you endorse I don't, don't endorse win or? People. No, I do, usually <laughs> do win. So that's why I, uh-huh. you know, I stay out. No, the people I endorse usually do win. Yes. Uh-huh. But so you I, don't I like don't to endorse. Do. I don't like endorsing. No, I like not to endorse. But we'll see what happens. <laughs> Uh, all right, but we, what we what we really do need to know about the 2021 uh, New York City election cycle, though, is what your plan is. You're not you're not running for citywide office, uh, which surprises a lot of people who think, okay, borough president, and then you go citywide. But you've said a number of times you're not too fond of leaving I like Manhattan. Manhattan. I like, yes, I don't ever go out of Manhattan. Once a year, I leave Manhattan. I don't go anywhere. So, you know how I am. <laughs> so the discussion's been that you're heading back to the city council for your old seat. Is that is that what's the plan? Is that the I plan? Haven't, I haven't gotten anything organized yet, but I will let you know. Uh-huh. But is but is that the plan to get that organized? I will get it organized when I get it organized, and I'll let you know. <laughs> okay. And <laughs> okay. Uh, in our in our last minute, um, when it comes to the 2021 election cycle mm-hmm. and Manhattan, what do you think needs to be the top? Uh, you know, the race to replace you, let's say, as Manhattan Borough President, what needs to be the mm-hmm. top things discussed by the candidates as that race unfolds? Well, it's, you know, it, it is, it's the planning. It's the trying to figure out whether it's affordable housing, uh, green space. I'm, I'm absolutely mortified by the number of vacant uh, storefronts. You know, we have a bill that says by February 2021, Every owner of every storefront has to tell the city how many. We thought this was a good idea, and we knew there were some. But now you go down a block, you'll have half the block is for rent, as you know. So, you know, it's it's the, you know, Manhattan plan. We've done as much as we can. I hope people have seen that between revamping the community boards, giving them a lot more planning tools, um, making them uh, really work 
constantly to uh, plan for their communities. But, you know, whether it's the housing, the storefronts, the open space. Um, I also think the streetscape has to change. You know, some people have called for a, a street czar or somebody to figure out between the bicycles, the bike lanes, the pedestrians. I love the outdoor restaurants, et cetera. You know, art in the streets. You know, somebody calls today, they want to have a like a little mini concert on their right. block. That kind that's, of thing. All of that's that. interesting, right? Yeah, that's interesting to think about. All right. Well, well, that that will that's um that's definitely some good food for thought as we as we chat with you more in the future and as we chat with others who are trying to think about planning in Manhattan for the, for the future. Uh, Manhattan Borough President Gail Brewer, thanks very much for the time and the conversation, and and we'll catch up with you again soon. Thank you very much, Ben. Take care. All right. Take care. 